from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. Welcome to the Craig Needles Podcast here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca, wherever you get your podcast, your favorite podcast app, we're there too. Thanks very much for downloading and listening to this episode of the podcast. Of course, you can also hear me every weekday, 2 to 7, on Classic Rock 98.1. Some disclosure for you before we get into our conversation with Brendan Samuels. Uh, I recorded this conversation, I think it was the end of October, and then it was going to be played a couple of weeks ago on the podcast because it's it's a new story that really is, uh, pardon the pun, evergreen. I know it's an environmental one uh, because the laws surrounding bird-friendly windows are still up in the air, still part of a conversation. Uh, Then the news kind of got hijacked a little bit by everything that was going on with that failed homeless hub at Fanshawe Park Road. So I had to make some changes as far as scheduling and which interviews we're going to play when. So this interview was recorded uh, end of October. This is a conversation that I had with Brendan Samuels, who is a PhD candidate at Western University in the biology department, talking about bird-friendly windows. Brendan is with the Department of Biology at, at Western University, PhD candidate there. He's also with the uh, Advanced Facility for Avian Research. And what they want to do there is prevent birds from flying into windows, which makes all, all the sense in the world. So, Brendan, thank you very much for, for joining us on the podcast today. I appreciate you could spend some time with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. For people who don't necessarily know what this is, or or maybe they haven't followed this closely, just explain to us what a bird-friendly window is and why you think it's important that we start installing them in more of the things that we build. Absolutely. So bird-friendly design or bird-safe design is simply ways of constructing buildings that will prevent birds from being killed uh, by colliding with windows on the structure. Um, Unfortunately, we've learned through research over the past several decades that um, when you put lots of glass out in the world, uh, birds unfortunately do not have a concept of glass or reflections and millions of them die every year, um, as many as one billion in North America uh, by colliding with windows. Um, We know that there are simple ways that we can modify the appearance of windows so that birds will recognize them as a solid barrier and avoid crashing into them. And these represent minimal added cost uh, to the design of a building. Uh, It's also possible to retrofit buildings that are killing birds as we've seen done in London and on Western University's campus where I work. Um, And what we are advocating for is to simply modernize the way that the building code protects the environment from degradation uh, by incorporating a bird safe building design standard. Uh, So you went to Queen's Park to talk about that. We'll we'll, we'll get to that in just one second. But what's the difference from the bird's perspective from a regular window that may have been going up into buildings for a long time and what this bird friendly or bird safe window might be? How how does it change? What's, What's the difference between the two products? Yeah, great question. So this is actually what I study for my PhD. Uh, I'm interested in how birds see these kinds of technologies and how we can really um, make them more effective so that we're accounting for the sensitivities of birds. Essentially, a bird safe window is one that has visual markers built into the glass or applied on the exterior surface of the glass that send a signal to a bird, hey, this is a solid surface that you can't fly through. With regular window glass, 
uh, or glass on balcony railings uh, or bus shelters. The problem is that birds see, for instance, a reflection of a tree. They think it's real and they try and fly towards it. Uh, or if the glass is transparent, it's just like a person running into a, a sliding door. <laughs> um, and when we add a visual signal or, or noise on, on the glass, what we can do is let birds know that there's something solid here that they can't pass through. Um, we can do this in a variety of different ways. It's not a singular product. Um, and actually, there's a lot of really innovative, creative solutions for uh, fabricating windows uh, that are safe for birds and actually enhance the aesthetics of the, the building. Um, importantly, many of these technologies do not uh, interfere with your view through the window whatsoever. And something that I'm also researching is how can we find synergies between bird safe design and also making windows more energy efficient and reducing the footprint of buildings. And then that was my next question for you. No one here is proposing a product where you can't see out the window and no natural lights coming into your building. No one's talking about that. Exactly. I have these products uh, on my windows at home and I, I can see right through the glass without issue. Uh, I talk to people who work at the university in buildings where the glass has been treated. And in fact, many of them don't even notice that there's dots on the windows until I point it out. And when they find out why the dots are there, they're actually really grateful. They say, you know, I would much prefer this to having bird carcasses outside on my way to work. And, yeah. And that was my, one of my follow-up points here is even if you don't care about the number of birds that get killed, which you, you probably should, but uh, look, birds are going to die. There are, there are natural predators for birds that are out in the world. The birds are going to get killed. There's no way around that. Uh, you should probably be somewhat sympathetic to the idea of, I don't want the surrounding of this building to be somewhere where we have to pick up a bunch of dead bird corpses all the time. That seems like a reasonable thing to want. Yeah, I mean, I expect that not everybody cares about birds intrinsically as much as I do. Uh, something that I think we need to be cognizant of is when we lose birds at the rate we are, you know, Amer North America has like one quarter less birds than it did just 50 years ago because of human activities. That means that all of those ecosystem services those birds would be providing throughout their lifespans are also lost. So for example, a lot of people are worried about uh, the wildfires that we're seeing in, in Canada each year. Well, birds are some of the earliest animals to return to those landscapes and disperse seeds that will help those ecosystems to regenerate. Uh, if you drink coffee like I do, the cost of your coffee is influenced by the manner in which birds contribute to pest insect control where coffee is grown. And it can be the same individual birds that are crashing into windows on buildings in places like London that are flying south for the winter months and providing those services. There's all kinds of examples of these services, and we would estimate that a single bird that's killed by a preventable collision with a window, that represents a loss in probably equivalent of thousands of dollars in what it would otherwise cost to replace that bird with human infrastructure or human labor. Yeah, that feels as though it's 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 worthy of putting a few dots on the windows. Call me silly. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, it feels like the 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 yeah. The payoff is worth is worth the, what's what's going on there. So you went to Queens Park. You talked about this. You want to make this something that's a province-wide portion of the building code. What were those conversations like at Queens Park? Yeah, absolutely. So we've been advocating uh, for this change for a few years now. I work with a nonprofit organization called the Fatal Light Awareness Program, or FLAP Canada. Uh, they've been at this since the 90s, and we've built a really strong coalition. Uh, with over 50 organizations across the province. We've got endorsements from the regulatory body that represents all practicing architects. We had the leaders of the Ontario NDP, the Ontario Liberal Party, the Ontario Green Party, sign a letter
center all saying they support this change. We've had a lot of really good conversations about this. And at Queen's Park, we had a, a strong showing of support uh, as MPP Chris Glover for Spadina Fort York uh, introduced a private member's bill that would incorporate a bird safe building design standard into the Ontario Building Code. Um, my part in being there was to talk about some of the services that birds provide and also the feasibility and the necessity of what we're trying to do. Um, municipalities have been adopting bird safe design uh, in buildings for a number of years. Uh, Toronto has been doing it since 2007. Uh, here in London, Ontario, we're actually going to be seeing that incorporated into our site plan control bylaw uh, when that is updated next year in 2024. But there's limitations. Uh, site planning only applies to larger buildings. And we know that the majority of birds are being killed crashing into the most numerous types of buildings, which are single detached homes, uh, low rise buildings. It's not really a tall building problem. It's actually a lot more diffuse across the landscape. The only way we can affect the design of that construction is through the building code. And we believe that, that the building code has an objective in it already that is supposed to protect the environment from unacceptable degradation. Um, if you're talking about 25 million birds being killed by something preventable every year in Canada and the loss of the services that that represents, we think that's unacceptable and it's time that we modernize the code. Just like we always update building codes as research suggests, you know, there are better ways to build. A uh, question about that, something that you mentioned there. So is there a, a formula here where once you get past story X, the bird-friendly windows aren't as big a deal anymore? Is that part of the conversation here just because, well, the birds aren't really going up there anyway? Or or does, yeah. that, does it not really quite go that way? No, that's a great question. And the scope of application is important. Um, so generally speaking, we recommend that bird safe design should apply primarily to the first five stories. And the reason is that we believe most of the birds that are dying are crashing into windows up to the height of the tree canopy surrounding the building. That's where birds are spending most of their time. Beyond that, you know, if going up to let's say you know 20 story skyscraper you don't really need to treat the glass higher than that point and so what that means is if you're talking about the costs of this you're only looking at a fraction of the costs uh, associated with uh, glass for the design of a tall building um, but it's important that this be applied at low-rise buildings and residences which again are far more numerous on the landscape so what are we talking about? You mentioned the cost of this. Let's just say we're doing it for the first five stories of new builds or seven stories, whatever it is. What are we talking about for a cost of, you know, per window type of thing? I know it may be hard to estimate those numbers, but from your research, and I know you've got these windows in your own home as well, how, how expensive is this to treat these windows this way? Yeah, um, so... <laughs> The complicated answer is that it depends. The short and brief answer is that it's negligible. It's really not expensive and there, there's different ways to account for it. If you're talking about retrofitting an existing building that's killing a lot of birds, that can be a lot more expensive. So for example, on my university campus where we've done monitoring of buildings and we were finding hundreds of birds killed every year, the university invested quite a lot of money, like on the order of tens of thousands of dollars per building to hire, you know, labor to come in and treat the glass. And, you know, we're really glad they did that, but it illustrates that it's much more expensive to react to a problem where your building is killing birds, which by the way is illegal in, in Canada and in Ontario, um, versus incorporating bird safe construction materials at the outset. Now, in terms of your cost per window, um, 
it depends on the technology you're using. It depends on the amount of glass. You know, these things scale in terms of the contracts for construction materials. I can tell you what it costs now based on current market conditions. So typically you're looking at a tiny fraction of less than 1% of the overall construction cost of a building. And if you're looking at specifically the window contract, it depends on the amount of glass that you're using. That can be anywhere from a tiny fraction of 1% up to 10% for something that's completely covered in glass. Again, depending on what technology you're using, there's different types of glass and films. Now, if this were to be incorporated into the code, as we're suggesting it should be, um, well, this would immediately transform the market conditions because all of a sudden there would be enormous demand for this. These materials would become standard requirement and you would see a lot more manufacturing capacity uh, ramping up. This is part of the green economy of building buildings that are less uh, destructive to the environment. And I imagine that the cost would actually be basically the exact same as Windows cost today. An important final thing I'll add is there are a variety of ways you can make buildings safe for birds, but reducing the amount of glass that we're including in new construction is overall a sensible thing to do for other environmental reasons. For example, building with glass means that your energy costs are inevitably going to be higher, and glass has a significant footprint in terms of the embodied carbon. That's the carbon that's required to produce those materials. We really like glass nowadays. You know, big expansive facades uh, have become you know, the aesthetic for modern construction. But if we're talking about building in ways that, you know, these uh, buildings are going to last under climate change and they're going to be affordable to maintain, we should maybe be thinking about scaling back the amount of glass overall as well. And that in turn would reduce the cost of bird safety measures. Yeah, I think that there's definitely something to that. So when you went to Queen's Park and you had these conversations, what was the reaction you were getting from the decision makers there? Well, we've had conversations, of course, with people across party lines. Um, I talked about how we've got endorsements from three out of four of Ontario's political parties. Um, the one that's missing hey, I wonder, from, I wonder who the one that's missing is. The one that's missing from that list, of course, is the majority government. That oh, yeah, then. Yeah, um, you know, we've had discussions with different people in the uh, Progressive Conservative Caucus about this. Uh, for example, we reached out to the previous Minister of Environment, Conservation and Parks, who enforces the Endangered Species Act. We said, hey, you know, buildings are killing endangered species. What do you think about all that? He said, ah, you know, sure, we, we take that very seriously. Goodbye. Um, We've had conversations with people speaking on behalf of the Ministry of Municipal Affairs and Housing. And actually, some of the um, pushback we've received has been based on misinformation. Um, and that is something that we tried to address yesterday at Queen's Park is, well, here's what the Ontario government has said, and then here are the facts. For example, we've been playing a bit of jurisdictional ping pong where they've told us, you know, we can't update Ontario's building code because it's a federal issue. Uh, in Canada, the provinces and territories are all harmonizing their own respective building codes under a national building code. And so the claim was you have to go talk to the federal government overseeing that process. We can't do anything to help you. So that's exactly what we did. We went and talked to the people at the uh, NRC, National Research Council, that focus on construction codes. And they explained that even though they're harmonizing the codes, it's still up to the provinces and territories to decide ultimately what goes into regulations. The national code that harmonizes the provinces and territory codes 
codes. It's just a model. So provinces like Ontario will still have to adopt components or all of it and then regulate it. Um, well, another piece we heard is that provinces don't feel that the scope of building codes applies to the protection of animals. Um, we think that, in fact, what we're talking about is environmental protection. It's not just protection of animals, that if you're talking about something as serious as killing 25 million birds and detracting from all of the services those birds would provide, that's environmental destruction. It's not just animal protection like people's pets or agriculture, livestock. Um, the other thing to consider is that windows can cause harm to other things, including property. Uh, for example, my dad, uh, I noticed this summer, we had a heat wave in late August. There was a hole burned in his patio table by the light reflecting off of the glazing on his window. It actually melted the table. Um, and this is something that's been documented and accounted for in other jurisdictions, building codes. We don't have anything like that in place in Ontario. Um, and so what this means is there could be risks to the health and safety of building occupants if we're not thinking about the light that is bouncing off of these building windows as causing environmental degradation. Um, so lots of examples like this where the government sort of picks a narrative that doesn't quite align with the facts. Um, we think that the misinformation about what this will cost or that it represents red tape that's going to delay, you know, housing construction. Of course, we're in a housing crisis and desperately need to build. Um, that's not true. We know that in jurisdictions like Toronto, where they've been implementing bird safe design for over a decade, it doesn't produce any delays. In fact, it just makes it easier for builders to do the right thing. And I talked to somebody in the development industry, not someone who's, you know, running a company, but they, they work there. And I said, okay, what do you think of these bird-friendly windows and, and where this, this conversation is at? And they said, generally, it doesn't really move the needle all that much for them. Because as you were saying earlier, the costs are not massive and they wouldn't be massive. So for them, it just doesn't change much of their thought process or how things are going. So I don't know how much conversation you've had with people in the development industry, but from the, the, the very preliminary conversations I've had, this is just one person, but they, that person didn't seem to be all that worried about this. Yeah, we've had conversations with people in the development industry, in the glass industry, and they recognize that this is not going to really affect their bottom line. It's not going to raise the cost of housing. It's not going to create any issues for taxpayers being able to afford housing. Um, you know, I think about this in the grand scheme of the enormous need we have under climate change to modernize building construction. And some of the changes that would entail are going to be quite expensive and difficult. For example, if you consider natural gas as a finite resource we are going to run out of <laughs> in the coming decades, Thinking about transitioning to other forms of alternatives to fossil fuel technology, that's a really expensive ask. And even in places like Montreal that have regulated that, um, it's going to be difficult. This is not one of those things. This would actually be a very simple change that isn't going to cost anybody a lot. Uh, it would be a seamless transition. We call it low-hanging fruit. And so what I think about in the grand scheme of all this is if we can't even do the easy stuff, if we can't adopt solutions that already exist and scale them to protect people in the environment, what does that mean about the harder stuff that we're going to have to do in the coming years? Right. There's that, certainly that conversation, because like, like we said, this seems to be something where it's not terribly difficult to implement and terribly difficult to do. And you can see some of the benefits, but yeah, maybe we are going to have to have some more difficult conversations. So I know that there are a lot of people that hear this and, and bristle right away and say, well, you know, I like windows just fine the way they are. And we don't need to necessarily change anything here. What's, what's your response to someone who may, who, who may think that about this? 
I think people have an attachment to uh, windows that they don't often think about until they're put on the spot and asked to justify anything. Um, you know, we look through windows and that is our access to nature from inside of a building. Um, when we design buildings with a lot of glass that are, is reflective, it integrates the building into the surrounding landscape. And so I think there's something kind of tragically ironic about that, where the way that we use glass is, um, meant to bring people closer to nature, while it's also creating invisible harm to nature that we don't realize. Um, to people who really want to protect their view, I would say, take a look at an actual bird-friendly window. Visit Western University's campus, for example, and walk around. We've got many examples of buildings that are safe for birds. And tell me, does this really bother you that much? Like if you're inside looking out, does it impede your view? Um, I don't think it does. And part of the reason for that is it just blends into a texture. If you've got a grid of really tiny dots and you're focusing on what's beyond the dots, your eye is just gonna tune that out. It's only if you're really looking for it that you would see that. Um, but you know, there's there's lots of cultural artifacts of people who are attached to old ways of doing things. And if you've ever experienced a bird crashing into your window before, um, or if you've ever seen them on the ground, it, it's really upsetting. It's it's massive suffering um, that we are contributing to because of aesthetic reasons. We we want things to look a certain way, and if we ignore the cost of that, not just for the natural world, but ultimately for ourselves, um, losing the services that we depend on birds for, you know, I, I think there's different ways to have these conversations with different people who have different values. Um, there is no one size fits all. Of course, with existing buildings, that's up to the voluntary discretion of homeowners to retrofit. So no one is ever going to force you to give away your, your view or, or change things, but it's getting really easy to do. Um, and so I encourage people to just sort of have an open mind and, and recognize that we can and we should do better. So where does that begin? You, you mentioned you've, you've, you've talked to folks at Queens Park. Uh, what do you, if people are, are passionate about this and want to see this happen, what do you think they should do? Well, the biggest thing that you can do, and this applies to you know bird safe windows, but also just climate action in general, there's a lot of despair and anxiety around that, is figure out what can you control in your immediate environment, right? You know, we obviously need deep structural systemic change, but under the current way our society functions, we also need individuals to show that this is important to them and to change their purchasing habits and to ret retrofit their homes and that sort of thing. Um, you can visit any bird feeding store in London and you can purchase supplies to treat your windows at home. And it takes an hour. You can do it yourself. You can hire a handy person to do it. Um, I use a product I really like. It's called Feather Friendly DIY Tape. You can actually apply strips of tape on the window and when you peel it off, it leaves behind little squares of white vinyl. That's that grid of dots I had talked about. Um, the City of London actually purchased 218 of those kits, and we've been distributing through the London Food Bank and um, other partners aiming to get those into the hands of low-income households. Um, you can also draw on your window with a paint marker or hang pieces of string outside the window. There's a variety of ways to do this. Um, so I, I'd say focusing on what you can change in your immediate environment. Now, if you support updating the building code and you think we should just be designing buildings, you know, using the best knowledge that we have, um, write to your MPP um, because they're going to be the people uh, at Queen's Park who can vote for this and, and ultimately implement it. Um, in London, Ontario, I mentioned that we're going to be seeing the city update it site plan control bylaw. 
And my understanding is that is going to include a bird safe building design standard. And so speaking out in favor of that change when it comes in 2024 is a way to not only encourage decision makers in the right direction, but to promote that public awareness too. And to be clear, we're not talking about, hey, we shouldn't build things anymore. I, I think everyone should just be very clear that, you know, everyone knows we need housing here. Everyone knows we're badly behind. And I, I, I suspect you would agree with me that building up in the core of cities is a lot better than doing urban sprawl. So we're, we're going to build things. It's a matter of how we do it, right? Absolutely. And I'm not saying we need to stop building. I'm not saying we need to build less. I think we need to build right. We need to build smart. So, you know, I, I'm very aware that we have a mantra in the current political climate in Ontario of we're going to get it done. And I always wonder, well, what does it mean when you get it done, but you do a bad job, right? Like who pays the externalized cost of a building that is designed poorly and ultimately is going to need to be retrofitted or renovated at the cost of whoever lives there or owns the building in the future. So, you know, not to say we're delaying construction, we're saying you can't build, we're saying here's a simple way you can adjust the design of buildings that will limit environmental harm. Um, and I, I think this is a change that as the public hears about it, we see most of them are supportive. Uh, the ones that are, are people who are not supportive usually just don't understand that this is not red tape. It's not a barrier. We're not saying get rid of windows. We're saying it's time we just build better. Make some slight alterations here and, and we, can, uh, we can save ourselves some difficulty in a variety of other ways. Exactly. It's, it's not, it's not like a major they... change, really. It's, it's just like, let's no, put it's... some, like, it's essentially, let's put some, a big sticker on the window. Yeah. I mean, with building construction, it's usually not stickers. It's actually markers that are built sure. into the glass. So right. that's frit or acid etched. But yes, for treating existing windows, yeah. stickers are a great way to do it. We've tried for years putting like a bird of prey decal or something. And we find that birds will just hit the untreated part of the glass whatever you put on there should probably cover the entire window and not leave gaps much wider than a bird, which is why using markers that are really small, like dots or lines, uh, tends to be better because then it's not going to interrupt your view. Um, the other thing I'd say is there's a lot more interest now in pollinator gardens and tree planting and things, which is wonderful. I mean, that has secondary benefits of improving climate change resiliency. Um, but keep in mind that when you're putting in that natural vegetation around a building, you're also drawing birds closer to that habitat and putting them at risk. So we need to think about the long-term implications of how we're using the landscape. London is a bird-friendly city. And so we need to consider that birds are our neighbors and we depend on them in a lot of ways. I think there are reasons to celebrate that we're making these changes and leading the way um, to a world that really cares about biodiversity. Anything else you want to add on this, Brendan, before we wrap up our, our chat here? Um, I just want to say I started this work uh, at Western a few years ago, and I've just been blown away by the community support for what I do. Um, this kind of advocacy is never done as one individual. It's always part of a collective. Um, I'm so grateful to the university and the community partners who've come together around this, uh, the awareness from the public and people. I drive around London now and I see folks that have voluntarily treated their windows at home. Um, just to come across that in the real world, it's a tangible thing that we can change. Uh, it inspires me and I just, I have so much gratitude for the movement that we've created here. Yeah, I, uh, I feel, uh, I feel as though there's definitely a, a shift in the conversation surrounding this. Uh, my last question is more of a technical one, whereas like does handprints from a five-year-old count as something on the window? Because <laughs> that's, that's typically what's on my back door, so. 
if you um, have treatments on your windows, it's recommended generally to treat the outside surface. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, that's not quite what we got. The reflection. Uh, I don't know how tall your five-year-old is, but depending on how many times they're smacking the window, you yeah. know, maybe you have an opportunity there. Yeah. Okay. Well, good to know. All right. Well, I, I, I like to be efficient. That's all. Uh, Brandon, this was a really good conversation. Thank you so much for doing those, doing it with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's Brendan Samuels, who, of course, is a PhD candidate uh, over at Western University and was kind enough to join us to talk about bird-friendly windows and the advocacy surrounding that. Of course, you can find the Craig Needles podcast at ClassicRock981.com. The Craig Needles podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 